Welcome to Mind, Crime, Liberty Show. Please, with Dobson and him, Tim Batten. Today we discuss professional sports, women, and transgenderism. Tim. So, when you suggested this episode about sports, I think sports for males in modernity is probably one of the most essential things. Uh, you can talk all you want about the Holy Roman Empire, tight-knit communities, the negative industrialization, and so forth. But modernity seems incredibly rel- resilient, if not anti-fragile. Even the Taliban know about um, cer- certain mass sport leagues and movies. Um, so without participation in sports, without participation in sports, I think many males are basically screwed by modernity more so than they already might be or may not be. Um, so now you could argue this is the problem in itself. Modernity created a problem, which sports have tried to fill. We live in a more sedentary society. Even even jobs which are manual labor or a different kind of sedentarianism than your typical agricultural, martial, or hunter-gatherer society. Um, so, so unfortunately, most critics of modernity who would just say that, and I think sports are largely, particularly mass sports, are largely a creation of modernity, don't go all the way here, and they themselves tend to be quite sedentary, for better or for worse. You know, Roger Scruton likes, would, Roger Scruton, for example, as well as we had guests, people like Todd Lewis and Rick Story, they're all very good reactionaries. Um, they themselves, you know, read a lot. They, they're more, um, uh, have more a sedentary pedagogical thing. And it, but as, as Brian Katman likes to argue, elite academic types are also rare, and forcing everyone into this mold is, is stupid. I mean, Kaplan likes to say that for certain people, um, they have a better chance at making the, you know, a professional sports league than they do to, to, to graduate college with a useful degree without a bunch of help. And elite academics are also quite sausage fests, too. So it's not, so so I think certain criticisms also could be made to them. So, yeah. so if you're going to have amateurs for back to sports, you're going to need to have a platonic ideal to aim toward. Most people won't get there, but very few, but, but few people who, when they're young, don't imagine themselves at some level getting there. And actually, many amateurs in their 20s and 30s still at least, you know, have idea or, or playing in second and third rate areas or even amateur leagues. So, so and, and this language mirrors what Paul says regarding races. Paul says, run the race to win. He's not saying run the race um, to be second or run the race for the spirit of sporting competition. So, hence, spectator supports of the sporting league need to exist. It's not merely bred in circuses. It's just like any other elite form of art or elite form of crafts or, you know, like you know, painting, theater, and so forth. Um, which brings us to the topic of sports and gender. I haven't mentioned sports, gender, and transgenderism. I haven't mentioned women yet. Women don't fill the prisons, by the way. That's the first point here I want to make. Women aren't on Ritalin or similar drugs at the same level as men. I don't think women would be in the previous type. Like, so you could create categories of sports where women might be better, but you have to put a lot of asterisks, asterisks and, and, and things like that here. So I want to make my, one of my central points here. I don't think people on the right, paleos, trads, any people that, or quote unquote, normie, normal people should care about trans men participating in women's sports leagues. I don't think they should care. So yes, Plenty of elite women might be better than the average men. Yes, Ronda Rousey could beat the crap out of me. But tell Ronda Rousey to fight the best male fighter in the world. She won't do it, and she has said it as such. Um, almost nothing sporting. Maybe ultra, ultra long-distance running. But even then, it's only marginal. Women are the absolute best or the elite here. So maybe in, so 
look how this special forces guy, who's probably my size, who, transition, who transitioned, who beat the UFC cisgender female champion, who was bigger. Or this black man who transitioned beat a black female. Um, or this soccer game between this middling men's team and a and U.S. women's team. So this is my point here. If the culture wants to hold one of three things, and we discussed this somewhat with Natalie, too, um, the, the point number three, that women are either better, women are equal, okay, or gender doesn't exist, wants to hold one of those three things. The quiet part out loud is the women are better thing. Then we don't need gendered leagues to begin with. Um far from the country here, if we're just talking about the elite here. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't per se ban them from participating, but if anything, want, if anybody wants to win, if you're going to run a marathon or like, you're not going to, you're just not going to draft women in a draft or whatever. Uh, if you actually want to win and not just score some sort of, you know, points in some sort of game, in some sort of cultural awareness game. Um, now, this goes back to other points here. You could hold that sports themselves, let's go back to sports to begin with, are merely festivals of violence. Um, the suffrage jet movement who thought that giving women the right to vote would end war and crime probably didn't imagine Ronda Rousey being an ideal. Um, this would revisit our episode, Why Do Feminists Want to Become Capitalist Episodes, we did a while back. So, Swithin, you suggested this episode. What are your thoughts on elite, elite mass sports? as well as participation sports, as well as the transgenderism. I don't care. I think it's funny, to be honest, when, when someone wins, you know, when, when these people transition and join women's leagues. And I think this will only increase if equal airtime and equal prizes and salaries become the norm, um, which I don't see. I mean, this is like, I see that as only growing. So I would just say, well, if you think that women are equal or everyone is equal, then who cares? You know, it's like that would be my position. I think it's funny. And I don't really care. I don't really have an issue with it. So that'd be my point here. What would you take on sports in general? I like sports. I participate in them. I watch them. Um, and, uh, you know, what What are some criticisms you think of sports that are valid? And thanks for doing this episode. I think most people don't complain about sports per se, unless they're like the ultra book type or maybe some sort of... Um, religious group who think it's a distraction and they should be reading the sacred book or something instead. Um, that's a critique that does exist. It's not particularly widespread. Um, so actually doing sports. So doing sports as such generally is considered, is well regarded as most, even the critiques of spectator sports on the right. Um, the issues come with professionalization spectator sports. Professionalization is slightly different in that um, the concern here is that nobody cares about the integrity of the sport anymore. All they do is kind of care about winning. Um, so the idea that you're doing it for its own sake and because you love the sport and uh, you want to keep the ideals going, it kind of go by the wayside a bit. It's all about just winning instead. And if you can use underhand tactics or have... Um, innovative interpretations of rules, which may be technically within the rules, but against the spirit of the rules. So I think that's a reasonable critique, although I think when, I think that's incumbent really upon the sports to get their rules in play, get their rules clear so that it's actually a lot more difficult to uh, basically get an advantage by cheating. Uh, you can do it in, uh, in soccer, in English football, um, typically, you might only get a yellow card, not a red card, and get sent off just by deliberately knocking somebody over because they're running through. They're far enough away from goal. You only get booked, even though 
you're clearly just trying to stop an attack because you think they might score. Um, if it was the case that they changed the rules somewhat, that you know you got sent off for that, even if there was no direct goal scoring opportunity, then of course that wouldn't be a problem anymore. Um, so there's that. So more on the typical right critique though, currently would be spectator sports, is that um, not for people who are doing the sports per se, but people who are watching it. It's like, well, they've got this kind of vicarious existence whereby they're a sedentary individual, they work in this massive corporate organization. Uh, they're sat at a desk all day, but they kind of yearn and have the idea that they really should be an active, actually men, you know, they're out in the world and physical and manly in certain ways. Uh, and um, they live vicariously through their sports teams. Um, oh, and another critique that some people would use of sports, the libertarians have, histo- well, some have historically complained about team sports because it's collectivistic. Uh, and really, you should be uh, only engaged in individual sports like tennis. Um not a critique I've come across particularly recently, but one that I have come across. Um, although the problem with that is even though you've got a small group, you eventually have a group when you're training or whatever, your coach and the people around you. So it's not as if um, even with tennis, you're some sort of Randian or Nietzschean sort of individual in this, in this sense. Um, so the critique of the, of the sedentary stuff, uh, I think, is... Interesting, although if it was the case that people watch sports and play sports at the same time, then clearly that wouldn't really be um, a a particular issue. Um, You could say bread and circuses um, and say it does distract people from important issues. Um, But a lot of the time that's put in terms of democracy and keeping up with whatever the government's assigned to do or not, which presupposes that democracy works and people can actually make a difference, um, which of course is uh, very much an open question. So you could easily make the case as rational ignorance um, in, in, in that. In that. Um, oh, another thing is uh, with, with the rise of professional sports, you could argue that insofar as wars are less frequent, um, it's one of the few ways in which sort of traditional sort of martial virtues can give you acclaim and uh, status, whereas historically, you know, you may have joined as a, a, a professional knight or something along like Maybe you weren't a knight insofar as you were an aristocrat, but you had skill as a fighter and that would give you some sort of status or whatever. I mean, they do to some extent in the military, but again, as we've discussed before, the military uh, is kind of a make work program plus um, uh, welfare, especially in America. So, and, it, and it's not really public in the same way as when you went back to your hometown and you declared a hero or something. It doesn't really happen anymore in the same way. Um, so I think that's one reason why, especially for men, it becomes sort of something they would focus on. Uh, that would be obviously specifically the more um, athletic of the sports, not particularly, say, um, chess, if you can call that sport. I mean, it depends where you want to go with that. Um so we then get to the question of women in sports. And, and you're right, a lot of on the right have been complaining that, oh, no, all these uh, trans women, otherwise known as men, are competing in women's events and this is uh, harming the, the women's game and, we, and this is bad. Um, the, what this critique fails to recognize, maybe because they accept it, is that they're continuing the feminist double standard 
which is, well, it would seem to be that um, women are allowed in men's spaces, but men are not allowed in women's spaces because it's been a continual theme of the feminist movement since the, since the 1960s that they want to get rid of all male spaces because male spaces are dangerous and bad. So we need to have women in there. And so it's an interesting reverse. Uh, well, it, it, it's like, oh, the women should be protected. Um, now, you could say, well, okay, we should have men's sports, we should have women's sports, and so we should keep them separate. Okay, so you, you wouldn't necessarily um, be continued out, it wouldn't necessarily be a feminist double standard type argument per se. Um, but then we get to the question of, uh, well, if it was amateur sports, I think you could make the case that well, it's more about the integrity of the sport, the ideals of the sport, and so you have more reasons to sort of exclude them from it. Um, but in the professional sports, it's like, well, if it's in the rules, kind of anything goes. But the, I think the interesting thing, especially from, from the right critiques of um, men in women's sports, mm-hmm. is that professional, um, no, I'm saying professional women's sports, not amateur sports, women just doing their local teams, whatever, that is sort of relatively inconsequential. Um, professional women's sports are really not something that uh, a member of the right really ought to be going and batting for and going, yes, we should defend the integrity of women's professional women's sport. Because professional women's sports takes women out of, basically puts them in a situation in which uh, their prime childbearing years are entirely barren so they can continue their sport. Possibly even the best example of this was a female athlete. I think she was American. And she found that she was pregnant near an Olympics. So she decided to have an abortion because, um, well, she'd been training all her life for this Olympic event. So we didn't want any any babies to get in the way. So um, whilst I understand the impetus of the right to say, no, women are women, men are men, and there's a clear distinction between the two. Um, trying to defend professional women's sports um, is at, at best knee-jerk and at worst reveals those people who claim to be on the right really are just sort of classical liberals of sorts. Uh, now, that's not to say that being classical is necessarily wrong, but more of a case of that they're, they were almost sort of like misrepresenting what they are uh, by doing it. Um, so, as I say, professionals, women in sports should be considered, even of all types, even if it's non-contact sports. So you could say things like, you know, American football or rugby are more masculine than, say, netball, for instance. But sociologically... Netball, professionalized women's netball is going to have similar social impacts as rugby and American football. And so from a rightist perspective, really should be su- uh, suspect. Um, so those would be my broad opening thoughts on the topic. As far as the comment about professionalization sports, I would just say it's just going to naturally happen. Um it, there is a rule that to, to be exploited and you're sporting enough, you're eventually someone's going to, to take advantage of that rule and and implement it to the maximum ability. This is where centralized leagues 
are useful. Um, and centralized leagues, you know, they don't, uh, in a sense, it's kind of like a quasi-anarchist body in that sense, I would say. Like, you know, yes, they have government, some of them have government support and so forth. But I can imagine this is not really a hard problem for anarchists to solve here. Um, but like, so like, if there are rules, quote to speak, like in, in baseball, for example, there are certain rules about, you know, the strike zone, certain rules about base running and so forth that have been changed over time. And the reason they've been changed is to keep the game, you know, sporting, so to speak, um, in that at such a high level. And you had to sort of put these rules in or otherwise, you know, just become kind of either boring to watch or boring to play. So, I mean, this is this is where, you know, like actual martial fighting just becomes, you know, like in order to prevent, you know, everyone from just nuking each other, basically, you have to sort of like implement these sort of roles in here, and that's where the professionalization of leagues. And I say they have drip-down effects in the sense they go back in, and the amateurs start following these rules, too. So I would just say professionalization is normal. As far as your comment about the corporate guy who watches it, I would think about opportunity cost. I mean, I think it's a lot different for people over 50 who watch sports than people in their, you know, t 10 through 30. And again, opportunity cost, I think, is a good way to think about this. Like, what would you be doing instead? Um, not everyone likes reading fiction books. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, this is this is where I think certain like like a more uh, academic right wing types mirror like the stereotype of an English literature major. Um, uh, not everyone uh, accused me of doing the genetic fallacy there, but not everyone has those interests or tastes here. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of my books from audio, my knowledge from audiobooks anyway, from working. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I that's, that's, an, that's one reason I'm very supportive of modernity. I mean, the only time I, I mean, I've listened to entire Old Testament, almost Old Testament, on audiobooks. So, like, like there are certain things that, like, in, in historical times, the only people who would read are the elites based on the printing presses and other technology. So, I would just simply say that, like, what's the opportunity cost? Not everyone's into that, and particularly males, based on, you know, testosterone levels based on energy levels and things like that. So that's be like first pushback here. Um, there is, I mean, in certain areas, women are better, like like in sort of average schooling, average schooling, you know, if you have to do like some sort of very rote task, far from drafting a male, I would draft to women in this, in this, in like if you had to like organize paper clips or some arcane tasks like that. Now, if you want to be an elite stamp collector, I would think that would be some sort of autistic guy or something like that. So I, so as far as those things, I think professionalization is just part of modernity. You had this in the arts in the Middle Ages and so forth, too. So this goes back to, like, the paleos when they point to these sort of historic Gothic-type cathedrals. I don't think those were people that just came out of off the street who did that. They were probably quite good at their craft and so forth. So, um, So as far as the... I think you're entirely correct about your comments on transgenders. What, what really are transgender men are going into women's spaces. Um, I think those comments are entirely correct. And I do, I do think they're, they are just sort of classical liberals culturally, the ones who complain about them. Um, because they're not the elite. Again, I just say if, if, if you're dealing with the elite, I mean, if you want to have just open trials for sports, an open draft, so to speak, I mean, when in the NFL would you select a woman? You know, the NFL draft is publicized. I mean, if if anything, you know, it's 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 it's. I think 
half of it are like black men, even though black men only make up 13% of the American population. Um, so, you know, like, like, when would you draft a woman there? You know, and my, I, what do you think of my comments on the early suffragettes movements? So I like to sort of juxtapose the old, old feminists with the sort of new ones. I mean, we did this in the episode on, uh, you know, why, if Marxism is true, why do women want to become capitalist exploiters? If, uh, why do feminist women want to become the capitalist exploiters here? So you could just say sports are just a sort of ritualized violence. I mean, you get certain Christian commentators making this thing, making this somewhat complaint here. Um, that's another thing. Your comments about them ending war, I had a there was a paper in the political science class, I remember, on this topic, and they found, like, a marginal... It's it, These things are notorious hard... To, these things are notoriously hard to test with any empirical way. You might be able to empirically test whether which bridge material is better to build a bridge with, but, like, testing things like whether sports reduce violence amongst, you know, industrialized nations. I mean, sporting leagues were getting big in the early 1900s, um, and World War One happened. I mean, and sporting leagues were quite big in the 1930s. You know, you have the Jesse Owens in, in Germany type incident. Um, but, like, World War Two happened. So, you know, like, there's a, some counterexamples to the people who say sporting. Sporting seems to matter into the dozen. I mean, people kicked out a lot of Russian tennis and soccer players and so forth because they're vaguely, they unless they renounce Putin, they're not allowed in. So, like, like you know, like, people seem to drop it quite quickly when fighting happens. Um, so that's what, those would be my secondary comments here. I just think professionalization is, is normal. What do you make about those comments? What do you make about the uh, comments regarding opportunity costs? Within? Oh, the opportunity cost of the old guy who's 50. Yeah, I mean, insofar as you're older and you can't actually, you're less physically able, that would seem to be you know, less problematic. I suppose the the I, the the target from the rightist critique of um, spectator sports is kind of your teenage boy to someone in their 30s and all they do is care about their sports team um, and then when they get when they get a bit older that's sort of you know, less of a problem because they can't sort of engage in sport in the same way but again though I mean you could say that well you know they should be involved in kind of coaching or something like that I, I think it's the idea as well on that is that you should have some active participation in some form, maybe it's not directly playing, but uh, you know, coaching or other things involved there. So you're not just merely uh, a spectator, because this is the, um, I suppose this is the critique in general of um, again modernity, and insofar as you can have um, the arts and things available to you, because historically you'd have to make say your own music, you can just listen to it, and that is a criticism that I've heard. Well, Rod Scruton make, for instance. Um, well, it's not a criticism per se, but rather um, people don't appreciate music in the same way, so he argues, because they don't play it and they don't actually have to actively engage it. And so I think the the way in which modern society can go is a situation where people uh, are working uh, for somebody else and something they don't really care about, or they are being entirely passive. But as you point out, reading is ever always gets the easy pass. Oh, yes, it's good that they're reading. It's like, well, doesn't it matter what they're reading uh, rather than that they are just reading? Um, oh, and, and also interesting as an aside, just with reading, 
people will complain about technology or you can watch multiple things on multiple devices and it's antisocial. It's like, I'm pretty sure a book's antisocial. Like if you're reading a book, you're not talking to somebody else. Um, my point just to say with uh, uh, men and violence and stuff, wasn't that sports reduce violence, just that if violence goes down um, and there's less sort of status ascribed to being a warrior of some description, then certain um, uh, athletically inclined men will find another way of uh, display, displaying their physical prowess, which will be professional sports. So my argument wasn't that sports would reduce violence, but rather reduce violence would cause more sports. Um, so um, I think that's a possible experiment. But I, I do think the professionalization of sports is likely to happen. I mean, to the extent you've got massive amounts of division of labor and you've got modern um, transport infrastructure, you're going to get um, the division of labor. And the people who are the best at certain things are going to become the things that people want to uh, want to watch. Because, well, why would you want to watch somebody who wasn't that good at something? That said, I mean, this is a critique to say this messes up local markets. You know, why would you go to watch a local producer of some sort of music of some description? Because, well, you can watch online uh, or listen to exceptionally well-produced music, for instance. Because um, so this this has been an, an argument as to why um, slightly less good musicians and stuff can't even make a living anymore, whereas historically they could. To which, I, which, which could well be true. Uh, all I would say is to the extent that um, society becomes richer and people have more leisure time and can do it, even if they didn't make much money from it, they'd probably still do it if they liked it. So um, is it really a problem that you that only a few people make a lot of money in the arts? Although that said, of course, you've got the IP issue. And I suppose this is going somewhere... Um, off where we 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 started um but um that would be my sort of response to your it it's obviously the case that sports leagues mass sports leagues have certain technical rules which technical like like ip for example which allow the streaming to protect the rights um for it and branding and so forth that obviously play some role in this formation um, my problem with this is that A is like IP and those things weren't as big. And, you know, sporting celebrities were some of the first celebrities, you know, like in the world, so to speak. You know, uh, Babe Ruth went to Japan. I think it was in the interwar period. Yes, it was in the, in the 1920s or 30s. And he was quite popular there. Um, oh, so so as a back for the English listeners, uh, Japan's. Japan, after United States, or actually probably on a per capita level, Japan is probably the biggest baseball nation out there. Um, so, so I would just say that, like in that sense, in times before that, um, IP was as dominant of a position. Sporting leagues were growing, and typically the professionalization of them. Um, and you could, there's a strange argument is made that that sports leagues might even be bigger because, like here in America. One of the ways cable companies make money is they get, you know, middle class men to buy cable packages so they watch sports teams. If you just broadcast them for free, more youth. So like this, your your criticism about twenty year olds watching sports actually 
many people, many marketing executives at baseball and football will complain that actually young people don't watch sports as much as they used to. Um, <laughs> um, because it requires too much of an attention span. I mean, this this is a funny argument to make for the people who criticize millennials. I mean, it is somewhat true. Um, but and one of the reasons why is they don't buy cable. Um, and because cable is very expensive and it's just viewed as an unnecessary. I mean, why, why, why spend thousands of dollars? Why spend basically $2,000 a year on a cable package when you can, for a few hundred dollars, you can get free movies or like near movies, which are basically zero or very cheaply made or old movies, which are very, or which are basically free. So in that sense, I would say the. In that case, the criticism, I would say, is simply is not there here. Um, uh, the, the, the problem of, like, someone who's just not as good, not being able to make a living, I mean, this, this again, is just a, just a general problem with modernity. It's not anything particular with sports. Uh, but I would, I, would, I would simply say that, like, sports, the, the sporting league is a kind of platonic ideal and I do think there's some, like, there's one thing to watch your family or friends in sports leagues. It's another thing to actually watch them. Like, you know, like, so take writing, for example. Would you read your friend's book? Like, now, your friend might be very good at writing, or you might have obscure, you know, plot interest in it. But most people probably wouldn't spend 20 hours reading a book written by their friend. So would you spend a similar amount of time reading, watching your friend play sports? And like, well, maybe if you, if there was some other thing going on, maybe there was like, you know, like it was an outing or something like that, but probably not. So I would just simply say no one's going to watch sports that aren't on the elite level with much, which much, which much, with, with much interest, unless, you know, they have some tie to it. So, like, you might go to your child's game or your parents' game or your friend's game, but you're not. So, and on a similar level, you wouldn't you wouldn't look at their art or music or so forth unless it's good. Um, so that that be my that would be my sort of pushback against uh, your point. I mean, I, I I just don't see that as I just see that uh, in a sense just a way of you know that's just that's just the way it is. Under modernity, um, that'd be my that'd be my pushback. So then, I don't really have too many more comments here. I do want to restress the transgender point, but I think we made that point before, and I think your points there were quite sound too. I, I think it's an interesting point about you know whether you know them or not. Um, I suppose you could say what you should try to do in more amateur leagues to get people to actually watch them is to have relatively strict criteria, although they don't have the money to enforce it probably, as to who can play. So like lower league stuff or local things, you could require, you know, the, the players to, um, their family has been born, um, th their family's lived there for a long time, they were born in the city or whatever. And so actually we can go back to a more traditional situation whereby, you know, your town's team would actually have, um, um, your town's team would have, people from your town rather than players, the best players from around the world. Uh, and that would be a way that they could differentiate themselves. Uh, although I imagine that would fall foul of anti-discrimination laws uh, as currently constituted, but that would be a way around it. Um, so um, that's, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I think, um, with pressure, with, with IP, sorry. 
with IP and sports, I I do think you are right. It does stop people from watching some of the things. So um, someone's complained that cricket isn't as big in England anymore because the major English um, test matches are not on free-to-air television. You've got to pay for them, and so there's not as big a, uh, a audience. Now you could say, well, the... the um, the the clubs won't make as much money, but then of course they might make more money because they might be able to make more in advertising because more people want to watch it. So it's not obvious how much IP would impact revenues for clubs um, because of the increased or viewing or audience. Now that said, again similar to the anti-markets point in England, for instance, it's still illegal to broadcast live sport at three o'clock on a Saturday, which is traditional time for playing football, uh, because the idea is, well, no one will go to their local clubs and they will die and everyone will just watch the best stuff. Um, which I always thought was a dubious argument, because if you were somebody who only really cared about watching the best and not like your local team, well, then you probably didn't go to your local team anyway. And so the number of people it would actually reduce uh, watching their local size is probably quite small. Um, so, um, I, I, I think that's sort of a minimal one. And I would restress the professional sports, um, the right do not want to support professional women's sports because it doesn't recognize the differences between men and women. Men can buy sports and do be manly and do stuff. And that doesn't mess up their social role. Women on the other hand do. Now you could say the professional women's sports are not very many of them, but um, professional women's sport, but that doesn't really matter um, because um, there's not many people who do it, but the problem is, is the culture that it, 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 it generates. Um, I'd now just like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. The more subscribers you get, the higher you get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcryinglibertyshow at gmail.com.